The way BC courts decide who gets to keep a family pet after a separation or divorce is changing today as amendments to the province's Family Law Act come into effect. Joining me now to talk a little bit about the change is Rebecca Breder. She is an animal rights lawyer. Rebecca, thank you for joining us. Hi, good afternoon, Jez. Good afternoon. Lots to talk about here. Uh, These changes to the Family Law Act, uh, what do they mean? What do they say? Oh, I'm so excited about this because it's the first of its kind in Canada. Uh, So we're the first province to do this. It applies when a couple separates and under the Family Law Act. So if they're going through a divorce or uh, for a common law couple. And it's the first time that there will be specific provisions dealing with companion animals and who decides how the court decides who gets the dog and cat and and certain provisions dealing with the best interest, which is really, really phenomenal. And so what I mean by that is, first of all, in, in my cases, I've long argued that pets, yes, we know that technically they're considered property still under the law, but I always argue how we need to consider them more than just a chair, right? More mm-hmm. than just like the desk that you're sitting at. And courts have agreed with me in the past, and they've agreed that when we're considering uh, who gets the dog or cat, and maybe both people uh, continue to share the animal after they separate, Mm -hmm. that we have to think about the best interest of of the companion animal. So that is now enshrined in law in British Columbia under the Family Law Act. So so one would assume if a judge has to, uh, you know, take into consider all of this in regards to what you've said, let's just say one spouse, they, uh, there's a couple are separating, getting divorced, one spouse purchases said pet, so it's a dog, but mm-hmm. the other other uh, spouse uh, ends up taking care of the, the dog, uh, glow, grows very close to the dog, perhaps spends more time taking care of the dog. Would that that would play a uh, that there would be some consideration for that mm-hmm. by a judge when they have to make a decision in regards to who would get custody of the pet. Yes, definitely. So sometimes people think, "Oh, well, I bought the dog, so I get the dog." Well, no, it's not as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, depending on the judge, yes, it could be as simple as that. But more and more, what I'm seeing, at least in in my own cases and how I argue them, is that judges are looking beyond the black and white type of stuff that you could prove on paper. Judges are looking at who spent time with the animal. Did anyone abuse the animal in any way, neglect the animal in any way? Who really took care of the animal? You know, it's one thing to say, well, I bought the dog. It's another thing to say, well, I'm the one who actually booked the veterinary appointments, who took care of the dog, making sure that the dog not only gets a a bowl of water and kibble, Right. But walking the dog, making sure that the dog is thriving. And that's what we always want is we want animals to thrive, not just to just to exist. But what I should clarify is that this Family Law Act applies at the Supreme Court level. That's our mid-level court in B.C. And in, in my cases, a lot of the times we actually take these pet custody types of disputes that they don't settle. That is at the small claims level. And that's, they're two separate legal proceedings. And one unfortunate thing in this legislation that is coming out and in force as of today is that the Supreme Court, if it's at the Supreme Court level, a judge does not have the power to order shared custody of of an animal, unless there was an agreement before that. And all you're asking the judge to do is enforce an agreement. 
But if you're asking the judge to order shared custody without there being a prior agreement, Mm -hmm. then according to this legislation, you're not allowed. However, that said, in small claims, and I can only speak from my own experience, I've had cases where I've successfully argued that shared custody is allowed at the small claims level. So because small claims has a jurisdiction to deal with these disputes, and that's one of the changes under the Family Law Act now, it's enshrined in law that provincial court does have the power to deal with these issues, shared custody may still be possible, but only if it's at the small claims level. How, so there's lots of layers to this. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's, it's not certainly not black and white, but how common <laughs> is it where the, where the dispute for the, for the pet uh, is significant, whether it, where, where it ends up going into, you know, it extends the litigation, it may go to a higher level of court, whatever it may be. Like how common are, are, are do pets, how, how common does the dispute over pets uh, occur that you see in law? Like, is this a common thing? I could easily say that even in just the last couple of years, it's at least 20% of what I do. And that's just me. 20% hmm. of, my, uh, of my legal animal law practice is dealing with pet custody disputes. So, and not everyone gets a lawyer, not everyone calls me, right? Hmm. And, and there are people who resolve things on their own. But it happens quite often, and I could tell you that these types of disputes, the pet custody disputes, are just as emotional and just as litigious as those involving children. And I could see that some people are like, oh, come on, like you're going to waste court's time fighting over just a dog or just a cat? Yeah, well, I'm not going to say it's a waste of court's time. I'm going to say quite the opposite. It's certainly not a waste of court's time because for many, many people, like what we talked about last week, you and I, for many people, companion animals are family. They're family members. Hmm. So if they're going to fight over custody, over children, human children, people will and are fighting over the custody of their companion animals, as they should. I mean, of course, we should settle mm-hmm. <laughs> if we could. But if not, there's no reason why someone shouldn't take this to court and have the matter resolved that way, because it's a super important issue for people. Uh- We've often on this show, I've talked to you and others about uh, other legislation, whether it's in Europe and the United States, uh, treating animals, especially at home, as sentient beings. Uh, we've, you and I have mm-hmm. had that conversation. With this new uh, change to the BC Family Law Act, where uh, it, does the conversation go now in regards to other potential changes in your mind that, that, that you see coming in the next few years? Well, I do think that even though under this legislation, Animal, it doesn't change the status of animals in the sense that they're still considered property. But I do think that it pushes the needle forward in the sense that we're seeing an evolution in how legislation and courts are seeing animals more than just property. And we're headed in the direction that animals are not just property, they're not just a chair, you know, or a piece of luggage. They are sentient beings. And so while the legislation itself right now does not use the words sentient beings, the, the way that the fact that the best interest of companion animals now has to be considered, it's not may be considered, it must be considered under the legislation, shows that there is an overall care mm-hmm. for animals under the law. And I think that's moving us closer to the whole sentient being status down the road. Rebecca, as always, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks very much, Jazz.